Say what you need to say. Have you ever said what you needed to say and it did not go well? It happens to all of us. We have been in a series called No Offense, None Taken. Today, I want to talk to you about what it would look like to be unoffendable. I want you to think about that for a minute. Unoffendable. Like whether you're a Christian or not, can you imagine a world where somebody could say what they needed to say to you and it just didn't impact you the way that it used to? Like you really were unoffendable. Not oblivious to what people have said. You're not going to pretend like it didn't happen because I think whoever wrote the phrase, uh, sticks and stones may break my phones, but words will never hurt me, never got cussed out by nobody, had really encouraging parents, uh, had great experiences with authority figures, were never bullied. They live next to neighbors that are always baking pies for them. However, for the rest of us, I think we've experienced people that can be somewhat difficult to live next to, difficult to work with. Sometimes you can find yourself in a toxic work environment where people say some pretty offensive things. So today, I'd like to speak to you on the subject of how to have difficult conversations with offensive people. <laughs> how to have difficult conversations with offensive people. People, because uh, what I know to be true for you and me is that uh, we all have at least one person in our life that is offensive. Do not look at that person right now, okay? But we all do. And guess what else I know to be true about you and me? Um, 2024 is coming. And what that means is that you and I, willingly or unwillingly, will be engaged in perhaps some political discourse that can just trap us and we can just find ourselves in some difficult conversations with some offensive people and I, I just I just think things can be different for us like I just I hate waking up in the world feeling like every four years me and my friends gotta lose friends every four years and I just wonder does it have to be that way perhaps I, I just want to prepare us for 2024 a little bit early like like imagine if when the divided states of america finds out that their guy or gal didn't win the other half is going to be mad at the other half imagine if you and i said you know what we're going to be different i think that you and i have a grand opportunity over the next, dare I say, 18 months or so to shine bright in a dark world. To say, you know what, we, you know, we can hold our biblical values and vote the way that we vote. But you know what, I, one of the things I, I, I want to be in control of is how I talk to people. How I treat people. Because I, I, I just, I realize that, man, it, we can just find ourselves so quickly being offended in some of these conversations and for some of us it's not just a political discourse for some of us this message isn't something for 2024 you're like no 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 ryan i need this message for next week in fact i need it for somebody right now because we all deal with people that are offensive one of the things that i've learned is the older people get the less of a filter they got 
At some point, they're like, I used to care about what you think about what I said. Now I'm just like, I'm just old enough. I'm going to just say what I need to say, and I'm going to just say it out loud. Like, we all got that friend that loves to keep it real, but they consistently keep it offensive. And every time they come over, you're like, oh, no, please don't, 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 don't bring that up. And, like, we can feel like we're playing referee with people because they say some stuff that is very offensive. You want to know what else is offensive? Kids, they have not learned their filter. Older people, they didn't throw it away. They're like, I don't want to do that no more. Kids are still like, wait, what? I'm not allowed to speak truth and love and just say what I see? And I'm like, no, son, you cannot say that to people out loud. And the other day, my son was like, hey, dad, uh, my stomach hurts. Can you pray for me before I go to bed? I said, yeah. Father, thank you so much for Jackson. Uh, heal his stomach, help him sleep well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is what he said. That's it? That's all you got? I'm like, dude, it's late. Yeah, I was like, that's all I got. He goes, you can do better than that, Dad. I'm like, how do you know I can do better than that? He goes, you've prayed better for people you barely know. I'm like, that might be true, but it don't make it any less offensive. And sometimes the things that people say to us, is, it's a lot more heavier. Sometimes there's things that people have said to us that have just leveled us. It's like their words left a mark. In fact, their words were so heavy. It's like a Spotify playlist that's on repeat in our brain. And they said something to us a long time ago, but it continues to hurt us. You embarrassed me tonight. How dare you wear that? You always forget. I don't think you even love me anymore. Come on, you got to work harder. You brought home a C? Some of us have some phrases that have been deeply woven into the fabric of our being. So much so that we aren't just offended. It's like we're living with offense. You know what I've learned about offense? Is that when somebody says something that really hurts us, and we're trying to have this conversation, it's a trap for us to become a person we were never meant to be. I was having a conversation with somebody this week, and, and, and this was the phrase they used. They said, well, you're a young leader. And I instantly went from having a very kind conversation to instantly getting what? Defensive. Isn't that interesting? How offense puts us in a place to be in defense of ourselves. And so when he goes, yeah, but you're a young leader, in my mind I'm going, but you're an old leader. And that's why I don't nobody want to follow you. You see, I just turned into Petty Betty out of nowhere. It was like, how did that happen? It's like, this isn't who I want to be, but now you've turned me into this person. And I'm just going, imagine if you and I lived in a world where we didn't have to fall for the traps. Because at some point, we get so offended that you and I got to look in the mirror and go, but I don't want to become the thing that I despise in them because now I'm becoming somebody that I don't even like. And so today we're, we're going to go through a lot of scripture because I, I don't want to just give you some lofty ideas on how to have difficult conversations with offensive people. I believe that God's word gives us a recipe on how to talk to one another and have some quality conversations, some difficult conversations, oftentimes with 
offensive people. The first thing that's vitally important for us to understand if we are going to have difficult conversations with offensive people is number one, realize we're all offensive. We are all offensive. Can you do me a favor right now? I just want you to look at your neighbor and just say, hey, I'm offensive. Okay, go for it. One, two, three. Say, I'm offensive. And don't say, I know. Okay, no, don't do that. Okay, I'm just saying, like, I'm offensive. And it's very hard for us to realize that it's a hard pill for us to swallow. But you got to know it's true. We're all offensive. I am so offensive. Let me tell you a group of people that I am extremely offensive to. Barbers, okay? Listen, I get my hair cut quite a bit, probably about once a week, and it's always different times. Sometimes it's in a different city, and I got a crazy schedule, and so I have multiple barbers. But for them, there's like this emotional attachment to like them cutting my hair, and so they'll cut my hair, and I won't go back to them for like a couple months, but then they'll see me at the gym or the mall, and they're like, hey, Ryan, what's up? I'm like, what's up, man? How are you? They're like, Who's been cutting your hair? I'm like, we're not married. I didn't cheat on you, okay? Relax. And it's just like, Ryan, like, like you're, you're offensive. We all are. Like, we all got something in us that offends someone else. I love what Romans 3 verse 22 says. It says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Paul writing to first century Christ followers who some had this idea that, well, because I'm Jewish, I've got this corner on the market as to what it means to have a relationship with God. And there's us and then there's everybody else. And here comes the Apostle Paul and he's going, hey, let me just help you understand. I know you've got Gentiles, which the word Gentile simply meant somebody that was non-Jewish or didn't have this special relationship with God. And people thought, well, I'm kind of better than them. The Apostle Paul is coming along and he's going, hey, just so you know, you and them. You want to know what you have in common? You've all sinned and needed the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And you got something that you did not deserve. Jesus Christ has come to level the playing field. And it is a gospel message for the entire world. And we're all in this boat together. Isaiah 53 verse 6. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray, each of us have turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who's all? You, me, and whatever offensive person you are thinking about this entire message. All. Like sheep, maybe you didn't know this, but this might be one of the most offensive Bible verses in the scripture. Like calling us sheep, like I'm already offended, okay? 
Now, a sheep is not one of the most intelligent animals in the animal kingdom. Um, in fact, if you were to study sheep, one of the things that you will find is that they are extremely reliant on their shepherd for shelter, for food. In fact, the more and more I learned about sheep, as I was reading through all of this information on sheep and shepherds, every time I would see the sheep, I went, this kind of sounds like a baby. Like a little baby that's just reliant on their parents. And then I reread it. And I'm even more offended. We all like babies. <laughs> like sometimes you and I, we act like babies. We kick and scream when we don't get our way. And it's easy for us to look at a teenager um, that doesn't have Wi-Fi for 10 seconds or their cell phone dies and they're freaking out. And we're going, calm down. It's not that serious. But you and I have similar moments. Over even smaller things. They left their clothes on the floor again. You're like, it's just clothes on carpet. They watched an episode without me. How dare they? It's just TV. You calm down. But it's amazing the things that we'll freak out over. And whenever we see another friend freaking out over something, it's always small to us. Because we have perspective of going, it's not that big of a deal to us, but it's everything to them. I was reading a book on personality assessments, breaking down disc profiles. It, it, honestly, the title of the book just blessed me. You know what the title of the book is? Surrounded by Idiots. It's the idea that everybody has this personality, that whenever they encounter another personality, the assumption is they're an idiot and I'm amazing. And that's how a lot of us live. And I just got to tell you, um, it's going to be a whole lot easier to have a difficult conversation with an offensive person when you realize that they're also having a conversation that could be difficult with an offensive person. To be able to say, you know what? I think I've done some wrong. I've said some things, done some things that perhaps rub somebody else the wrong way I know it's a tough pill to swallow but it's it's true and I know you might be thinking Ryan who me little old me I would never hurt a fly I would never say anything to hurt anybody maybe not intentionally but unintentionally baby you do it all the time and maybe the people in your life just haven't had a moment to tell you had some friends over to the house the other day. You know, we just had, we just had a, a very powerful time of just like prayer and worship, just praying for each other. Just decided to be intentional. And one of the guys, he goes, man, I just got to get this off my chest. I said, man, what's going on? He goes, I forgive you. I went, for what? I ain't do nothing to you. He goes, man, you said something that really offended me like five years ago. I go, well, what did I say? He goes, that's the funny thing. I don't even remember, but I just kind of held it against you for a while. I offended somebody and I didn't, I didn't even know it. We all have. And so you're going to make a difficult conversation a whole lot easier when you enter into that conversation going, you know what, I, I, probably, I probably got some things to work on myself. Uh, the second thing that I think is vitally important for us to have difficult conversations with offensive people is to beware of our posture. Beware of our Posture. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to encourage you today 
to smile. Just try it. I know we want some crowd participation today, okay? I just want you to look at your look at the person on your left and just, just smile. Some of them they ain't seen your teeth in a long time. That's how mad you've been for so long. You offended. You know, now look at the other person. Just just smile at them. Like, like, do you realize that your body language is communicating something in a difficult conversation long before a word ever even comes out of your mouth? There is a, a book out uh, written by an uh, ex-FBI counterintelligence agent who uh, studied non-verbal language. And, and, and the book is called What Everybody is Saying. It's fascinating. They even just talk about how a person is sitting and their body is, is towards you. And if their foot's tapping, they're lying. I mean, it just gives you all this kind of crazy stuff. But it just made me think. I'm going, what am I saying to people long before I ever even said anything to people? Which is why I just, I just love what Colossians 3 verse 12 says. It says, therefore is God's chosen people. Holy and dearly loved. I love this language. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. As you're getting ready to have a difficult conversation with an offensive person, I want you to imagine yourself getting dressed. I want you to imagine yourself going, man, let me just, let me just put on some compassion. Like, let me just, you know what compassion is in a difficult conversation? Feeling bad for the other person who's offended you to go, you know what? I wonder if there's something going on in their world that is so hard that I cannot see. Why don't I just come into that conversation giving them a little bit of grace and a little bit of margin for error because every single person you know has a storm going on in their life you know nothing about. So just, I just, before you have a difficult conversation, just imagine yourself going, you know what, let me just, let me put on kindness. Let me put on humility. Like, think about some of the difficult conversations you've had in your life this far. And you look back and you just think about your posture. I'm 6'3". I'm pretty much looking down on people at all times, okay? So automatically, I'm already like this. We're already down five when I'm having a conversation with somebody. And so for me, I have to just sometimes change my posture. Sometimes I think when I'm having a disciplinary conversation with my kids, I think to myself, on the other side of me, are they experiencing some body clothed in compassion? In kindness, in humility. Most of the time I think no. Why? Because when I'm talking to my kids, I am the prosecuting attorney, the judge, the jury. I got the whole story. I got evidence. You're done. You know, like I, I just have this whole thing lined up and I'm completely right and there is no space for anything else. And at some point I just go, I just, I wonder how we're going to have a healthy conversation with somebody who's not clothed in humility. Because most of us enter into a difficult conversation clothed with our rebuttal and evidence against them. I, just, I love that Peter also used this type of language. He says, in the same way, 
you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. I think there's something precious about entering into a conversation with somebody who truly has a humble posture. Not this get your act together. Because, you know, our face is already saying something about the conversation. But walking in going, you know what? I, I got some things I really want to share. Some things that are on my heart. Can we, can we chat? I think for a, a lot of us, oftentimes... A lot of our difficult conversations with offensive people, they go south because both sides have this obsession with winning the argument. And when you have an obsession with winning, what often happens is the relationship suffers. Can I give you four words that I think will absolutely change every conversation that you're ever going to have? Because I think it's vitally important that you and I have what's called intellectual humility. It's the importance of knowing you could be wrong. Um, this is especially prevalent in the science community. Um, there were lots of professors in the 90s who had come up with uh, theories in the science community that were proven true. Um, but it would take them six months to prove that theory. And now we have computers that can do the math that would take them six months computers can do now in six seconds and therefore with more uh, innovation and the uh, uprise in technology a lot of those theories have actually been proven wrong but for a lot of these professors because of the prestigious universities that they went to it's like there is no space in their psyche that they even could be wrong so so, so the four words that will impact every relationship that you have for the rest of your life is this is i could be wrong I could be wrong. I'm not saying you are wrong. I'm saying you could be. That's intellectual humility. The words I could be wrong leaves room in the conversation for somebody else's perspective. Versus this, well I'm right and you're wrong. And we have this obsession with being so right but the problem with that is, is nobody likes being with anybody who's always right. I have never met anybody say, you know what I'm looking for in a spouse? I would love to be married to somebody that was always right. It'd be great. It'd be great if I just, you know, I would love to work for somebody who's always right. That would be awesome. Nobody says that. But it's the thing we're always trying to do. So yeah, I, I think you should practice this. Like if you're going to have a difficult conversation in the future, imagine if you began every conversation with, hey, I, I could be wrong, but I have some thoughts. I, I, I could be wrong, but here's what I think our country needs. Hey, I, I could be wrong, but this is the direction I think our organization should go in. Hey, I, I could be wrong, but here's what I'm, I'm starting to sense in our marriage. Like, like the next time somebody cooks and you don't like their food, this is what you should say. You should say, hey, I could be wrong, but I think this chicken needs more salt. I don't know. I, it might be me. Maybe, maybe it's my tongue. Maybe I got COVID and I lost my taste. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. Because here's what I know about you and me. If we can never use the phrase, I could be wrong, we'll never use this phrase. I was wrong. Because this is where it really starts 
to be a difficult conversation. This is actually one of my favorites. I love telling people I was wrong five years ago. I was young. I didn't know better. Eh. Yeah, I was wrong. I love taking ownership for stuff like 10 years ago. I remember in my 20s, man. <laughs> I was a <that> kid. <laughs> but to use this phrase, I am wrong. Like today? Never. No, 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 no. I'm right today for sure. Yesterday? I'll give that to you. But do you see the progression? For some of us, it may not be a I am wrong. Maybe for you, it, it, that's, that's, just, that's just too far of a stretch. Maybe for you, you're a, a my bad person. Okay, you just, hey, my bad, my bad, my bad. That doesn't feel as bad as, as I'm wrong. No, it's my bad, my bad. My fault. Maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's, it's this one's on me. The one I like to use a lot lately is I'll own that. I'll own that. Uh, yeah, like, I, I, I can, I can, I can, I'll raise my hand, I'll, 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 I'll own that. I mean, just imagine if we just started using some of these phrases in some of our difficult conversations. What it's going to do is it's going to create a little bit of space in the conversation to say, man, I'm not about to get into the ring with somebody that's about to knock me out with their right hook, and they just, they gotta win. No, they... They actually are leaving some space for another story. I love what Romans says. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. In other words, do your best with your part. I can't control somebody else's part. And, and here's the deal. We would love if when we said I could be wrong, they, they, they said it back. Yeah, you're right. I could be wrong too. But that's not how that works. No, we, we have to control our end of the conversation. The third thing that I think is vitally important for having difficult conversations with defensive people is to define the goal of the conversation. I think sometimes our conversations go south because... We don't actually have any goals for the conversation. I think that sometimes what our options are for conversations is, uh, one, we could change their mind. It's just that twisting arms is not a great strategy for any healthy conversation. The reason why is you don't like your arm being twisted. So changing their mind as a goal for the conversation, I don't think is a, is a great goal. Uh, the other option for the conversation is that, well, uh, they change your mind. Good luck. Uh, the other option for it is, well, you could just cancel them. Just stop talking to them all together. Let's just stop talking to mom. Cancel her. She's done. We don't need her. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's a great plan for life. Here's another option. Inspire them. Inspire them. Imagine if your goal for difficult conversations was for the other person to leave better than when you started the conversation. Imagine if you could truly inspire them. I love what Proverbs 18 verse 21 says. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Can I tell you the day my life changed when I realized why my mouth was made? To worship the living God and to encourage other people. Changed my life.
So now in every single conversation, I'm going, I realize that every single word that comes out of my mouth has the power of death and has the power of life. And I have made a decision that I want to breathe life into other people. God, I pray that you would use my words to bring marriages back together, that you would bring restoration into people's lives. God, would you use my words to heal broken hearts? Yeah, because my words are powerful. I love what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14. He said, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, this is next level conversations. Because prophecy in Scripture and in, in the American church can kind of get a weird connotation. Can I give you a simple definition of prophesying? It's speaking God-inspired words. If you're not really a church person, here's what that would look like. Before you go to work, before you go to school, before you enter into a difficult conversation, it would be you pausing to say, Lord, would you give me your inspired words for this conversation? God, would you give me something to say to somebody that they need to hear? Like, I can't speak for you, but I have goals. From my conversations that the other person wouldn't just hear from me, but perhaps that they would hear from God. I I just love what Colossians 4 verse 6 says. It says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let me ask you a question. What are your conversations full of? Gossip. Anger, pessimism, narcissism, angling, manipulation. And then we're shocked when our conversations don't go well. The Apostle Paul is going, let your conversations be full of grace. And then he says, seasoned with salt. At one point in the Gospels, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And salt is very common on most of our dinner tables and in our pantries. But in this day and age, it was very rare and very expensive. And it was used, it it added so much value to a community. It was used as an antiseptic. It was used as for healing materials, obviously to uh, enhance flavors. I mean, it was something that for society, it added so much value. And so here comes Jesus going, you are something that is so valuable in the community that you could make a difference. And then here comes Paul going, this is what I want your conversations to be full of. Something that adds value to other people. May your words this week be faith-filled. May your conversations this week have some salt on it that adds value. To other people. I love what Ephesians 4 verse 15 says. It says instead speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. Sometimes we want to speak the truth and we forget the love piece. I think one of the reasons... That I've been able to have some difficult conversations in my life is because I try to lead with love. Whenever I'm having a difficult conversation with someone, I want them to know I want them to win. And sometimes you have to prove that before you can have a difficult conversation. It's why Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, wounds from a friend 
can be trusted. In other words, sometimes we try and have a difficult conversation with an offensive person that we don't have any relational equity with in the first place. And so sometimes we have to spend some time building some relational equity to say, hey, I'm your friend and I proved that before this conversation. The last thing that I think is vitally important to have a difficult conversation with an offensive person is number four, talk to God before talking to them. Talk to God before talking to them. I think a great example of this is in Exodus. Moses was given a grand task of going to Pharaoh, saying, let my people go. He leads a couple million people out into the desert, and, and as soon as they get out to the desert, they get offensive. Here's what they said. It says, it says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us, us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Leadership's hard, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes they say offensive things. And I just love that Moses didn't respond with, you ungrateful, like he didn't get into that. Now, the scripture says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. I think Moses could have a difficult conversation with a few million offensive people. Because he had heard from God long before he entered into a conversation with them. And he could see a bigger picture. He didn't make it about him versus them. He said, let me tell you what I think God is trying to do in our community. The last verse I want to share with you today is in Isaiah 43 verse 2. This is God speaking through a prophet. I think this verse really shows the nature of who God is and what he wants for us in our conversations. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I think there's, this is a beautiful picture, especially for a lot of us. That find ourselves often in toxic environments. To go, you know what? I might be surrounded by water, but I don't have to drown. I might be surrounded by a lot of offensive people. That, that, but that doesn't mean that I have to begin becoming defensive. And then start doing retaliation. And going, alright, this is what I have to do to survive. If you have to become somebody you don't even like to survive... I'm not sure that that's an environment you really need to stay in. I think for some of us, we need to create some boundaries with people. I think for some of us, we're the ones that need to have the boundaries up against us. My hope and prayer for each and every one of us is that we would be the kind of people 
and shine bright in dark conversations. That we would pause long enough to say, God, I know you put me on the planet for a reason. You put me at this job for a reason. You may not like that job, but you're there. You may not like the class that you're in, but you're there. You may not like the neighborhood that you're in, but you're there. And my prayer is that you would really be there and say, Lord, with every conversation that you know I'm going to have, would you inspire me with your words for other people? I might be surrounded by a lot of things that can make me very toxic. But God, would you protect me? Would you protect my heart? Would you help me to have conversations that are full of grace and seasoned with salt? God, I thank you so much for this amazing church. God, I pray that you would help us have difficult conversations with offensive people. Help us to be unoffendable. Not that we never get offended, but God, I pray that we wouldn't stay offended. Would you give us what we need to speak your inspired words to the world around us when everyone else is having toxic conversations? May we, in the words that we use, shine bright in a dark world. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, Amen.